0: All right, so um, there was a question on the table from the last Bible study, and I had—I didn't only had like five or ten minutes, so we didn't really get very far into it. Does, let me. Other than Shane, does anybody remember the question? This is like Daniel chapter two. Do you remember the question and what it? No, we've all forgotten. Okay, so it's all—we've all slept since then. Well, it just so happens I—I I, I recalled it in my memory because I said I would cover it. And then I called Shane or I texted Shane, and he confirmed that this was the question or something close to it, and it was close enough, right? Okay, so here was in essence, Shane was asking the question. Being someone who who personally has taken an oath to defend the Constitution and all of those things, um, this is my words of what he said. So, how does a patriotic American who swore an oath to defend the Constitution handle the systematic degradation of the Constitution and destruction of our nation politically and socially? Um, there's a point that one push, you know, that one pushes back against lawlessness. And how do we do that and be faithful to Romans chapter 13? Right. And then he added, you know, and, you know, and the bill of rights, you know, all at the same time. So, and I'm actually glad you brought up the bill of rights because that that really is a nice segue, uh, into really where we probably need to to start. So I, I, I was wanting to do some fancy stuff and print out outlines and all that. I never actually got an opportunity to get to that. So, this is pretty much the same format that you would get if I was just up here flat-footed, uh, with any question that's hot, you know, right off the floor. So I did, I did have just a little chance to collect my thoughts, uh, before I got in tonight. But, uh, let's start with just the basis, you know, that we're all, our default mode is for doctrine in the Bible and the New Testament for the church is in Romans. And so let's just start there. Uh, and I want to just lay that foundation because, you know, before you get into all the minutiae, you know, um, we need to start with the basics, and so Romans you know thirteen one and two and that 's just a that 's just a bounce off we've got a lot of things we can look at but Romans thirteen it um, um, <clears throat> 's pretty clear and does anyone want to read that Romans thirteen one and two got a mic sure, okay. You, uh, can you run the mic for me tonight? Yes. Okay. Not you, Shane. I know. I'm not going to ask you to do that. Every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be ordained of God. Wherefore, there, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. All right. So I think that we all agree. I mean, it doesn't matter if we agree or not. That's what the word of God says. So um, but we can all comprehend. um, And by the way, look at verse 21 of chapter 12. What's the last thing it says there? And I and I do plan to touch on chapter 12 here in a little bit. But be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That's an important verse as well. So be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And then he says, let every soul be subject uh, unto higher powers. Now, why, why would he say that in chapter 13 there? Because he just told you in chapter 1 that we are really um, servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, or chapter 1. In chapter 12, you know, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And we're not to be, you know, we're not conformed to this world. We're transformed by the re- renewing of our mind. that we may prove what that good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. So, so that being said, our loyalty is obviously to God first, which is, this is really the essence of, the, of what Shane says. And if you're an American um, and you don't understand anything even about the founding of America, when they say God and country, the idea is that God is first and country is second. It's not God. It's not country and God. It's God first. That's, that's because in the Declaration of Independence, uh, and not to get political, but but we're talking this this question. If you're watching, by the way, online, and you're in India or UK or some other place, this is really an American discussion. Uh, but the answers are biblical. It doesn't matter if you're under a monarchy or not. But for, for right now, I'm talking about America. So in an American context, there's almost a, a duty uh, to put God first, and and then country, because the country was founded on the premise. Uh, the rebellion, right, the 13 colonies rebelled against the monarchy of England under the premise, uh, not that he was not a king under the context of Romans 13, it was that he was advocating his responsibility and so grossly that they're willing to take whatever judgment God brings and start a new union, uh, form a a government that is no longer underneath. We'll take our chances with God, pal, because we don't trust you at all. That's basically a summary, right? You are no longer, in our estimation, qualified to govern us. You have disqualified yourself by your own standards. Uh, and, and that's true because there were laws that, that govern even the monarchy because of this premise going back to the Magna Carta, right? So if you understand human government in the West, you got to go back to the Magna Carta first before you get to the... And the, So the Magna Carta was the, was this huge... Understanding among those in the Isles, the British Isles, that, that there was a higher power than the king, right? So you call the king the sovereign, but what the Magna Carta established in 12 whatever AD that or what that was, somebody might look that up on your phone. Tell me when. No, no, it's oh 1215. Okay, I thought you said 1500. I'm like, no, no. So 1215, which was a long time ago, so about a thousand years almost after Christ, this Magna Carta comes along. A long, a long time before the Constitution, a long time before, you know, the United States was even being inhabited by Europeans uh, of any, well, at least there, we, it was obviously inhabited by some Vikings and stuff. But, but that's a whole nother discussion. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but a long time before the contemporary inhabitation of North America by the Europeans, there was the Magna Carta, right? And so anybody want to just tell me what was that? What's the big deal about the Magna Carta? Does anybody remember? How many history students do we have here? okay okay that's fine you don't have to confess it but i just i mean just in case just in case because so the magna carta and i don't i'm not a super historian here but the, it is cool like when it was up in dc i was able to go see it and everything it's a big deal it's a big doc it's a big deal because the premise was the the the, the, the nobility uh agreed that uh that there was a higher power than the the sovereign which would be the landowner because it was a serf peasant situation right so so, if you owned the property, right, or you were uh, a land baron, you may not have been the king, but you may have been somebody that owned property, and then you basically the people that homesteaded on your property, you, in essence, were the the owner. People were like cattle, right surf peasant situation. and so so you had a lot of you had a lot of liberty. Uh, to control people 's lives, you know, but that was then governed by the laws that they established, and so on and so forth so so along comes the Magna carta, which says, "Listen, the king may be supreme uh, and the nobility may have rule, but the king is not the authority he cannot usurp the authority of god right now twelve fifteen that 's interesting what came what also came along around twelve hundred in England uh dark ages certainly it was the dark ages. Anybody remember William Tyndale? Or Wycliffe? I'm sorry, Tyndale was later. Yes, thank you. So, so in 1200 A.D., uh, I don't remember the exact date. Someone can throw that out too. Uh, someone Google that. When, would, when was Wycliffe? I don't remember the exact date. But it was 1200-something A.D. Wycliffe translated the first scripture into the English language, which, by the way, at that time was an amalgamation of Saxon, Right. It was in a it was Saxon language, which was Germanic, and, uh, and, of course, the Welsh were always there. So they, there was a hybrid language that was being formulated in 1200 A.D. And so Wycliffe created the, the first English Bible, and it helped standardize, by the way, the English language. Uh, and, of course, after that, the, the six successive translations after that up to the seventh, which was the King James Bible in 1600. So you got about a 400-year window where the Bible is being established, Along with that, <clears throat> when did King Henry, Lee, King Henry the Eighth, roll along? Yeah, he's in the 1500s, and then you also get the Tyndale Bible, right? And uh, and, or ten, and then you eventually come to the King James Bible under King James of Scotland, King Stuart of Scotland, who becomes King James of England. So in a, in a, in a, it's interesting as we talk about this subject, how the Word of God itself, at least for the English-speaking peoples. Um, and that's all I'm talking about right now. Again, if you're watching from somewhere else, this is a discussion. It's not about Caucasian. It is about the English-speaking peoples. Uh, the Bible and the language developed, and the culmination, of course, with, was is the Elizabethan English, which is also the King James Bible, which is also not an accident. But it also has to do—not that King James was a was a godly guy. He may not even been saved. I don't know. But at the end of the day, God— Preserved his word in the English language, standardized the language, and of course the kingdom went all over the world. Um, and with it is what we would call politically a Judeo Christian ethic, which gets to the core a little bit of what the question is without getting too far in the weeds. Um, and so it would be acceptable, is what I'm saying, uh, uh, in any context, both under the monarchy. Uh, that's why those guys had the concept of, you know, there is no higher power than God going back to 1200 A.D., going to, you know, and just progressing through the line. Because even though the king was definitely the absolute authority in that nation, just like if you go right now to Bhutan, uh, King Wangchuk is the absolute authority in Bhutan, one of the last king. There's a few kingdoms with that kind of authority. Um, there was still government that would say, look, dude, uh, you are, you know, you, you, have to submit to god now of course nobody in their right mind is going to challenge a sovereign king because no matter you're going to lose and you're going to die i mean that's how the rules are played however if you get enough if you get fired up enough (laughs) you know you can always pull that card and then it's on you know and then there's a there's a fight you know and then that's what it boils down to is spilling blood and so uh you know today in, in great britain as a matter of fact they celebrate even though nobody really liked King James, uh, um, they still celebrate – their Independence Day is celebrated around uh, a moment in their history where uh, they tried to assassinate King James and, they, and try to overthrow the nation and turn it back into a Catholic nation. And so that was foiled, that, that was foiled, and now they still celebrate every day. It's kind of like their Fourth of July. They have bonfires and, and fireworks and all of that because they maintain their sovereignty. And of course, God blessed the crown, and brought, God bless the queen, and all that stuff, and God bless the king. Now, I guess, and all that. And of course, the monarchy in England is nothing like it was when King George was running the show uh, in the in the uh, uh, 1700s. But um, it was an absolute monarchy back then, for the most part. So, uh, so, okay, that's a little history lesson. What's that got to do with the Bible? Well, when you get to Romans chapter 13, of course, Paul is underneath Caesar. Uh, and and, i mean you've got some bad boys running rome Um, and uh, of course uh, nero was paul died at the hands of nero so when paul talks about submitting to the powers that be he ain't kidding like he submitted to death and he was not going to deny he was not going to deny god so he wasn't going to bow his knee to to caesar and say hey you're god caesar that isn't going to happen so there is room you know, to you should always put God first. I just, I'll just establish that. God, let God be true and every man a liar. I mean, there is no potentate, uh, whether he's democratically, republic. You no, know, it doesn't matter who's elected; they don't usurp the authority of God. So there is a point where God, and that's one of the reasons why, like in America, there is a separation uh, between church and state. It's not to keep the church out of the state. Well, it kind of is because you, if you get the church. If you get a monarchy situation where, like they had in England where the state is the church, then there's no room for any varying opinions, right? So what the Church of England said is the way it went. And uh, if you were Roger Williams, too bad, so sad. So he had to run from the Puritans that were from England under the crown and escape their legalism, and he started the, the First Baptist Church in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, before the Revolutionary War. Why? Because he was escaping protestant religious persecution so protestant religious persecution was bad some of the guys i used to get excited about reading in church history because they suffered a martyr's death i go back and rewind the tape 10 20 30 years earlier in their life guess who they were they were killing they were killing guys like me Anabaptists, baptist people who believe the bible and they just didn't submit to the 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 doctrine of the church of england infant baptism what have you oh yeah so There's a lot. So the freedom of religion is a wonderful thing. The liberty to let people think and believe what the Bible says is outstanding, and we are afforded that in this country. And it's a great liberty that was paid for by the sacrifice of a lot of people. It's also brought great judgment on our country, right? So we we've established this nation in the United States upon a moral standard, you know, in God we trust and all this other stuff. Our our founding documents. It's all about God. Yes, I know a lot of the founders weren't Christians. A lot of them were just deists, if that. And some of them, many of them, were lost, but not all of them. And at the end of the day, the rule book is the rule book, and they set it up on a Judeo-Christian ethic. Doesn't mean it's the Bible. Doesn't mean the Constitution's inspired. I'm not saying that either. But as far as human governments concerned, probably the best opportunity and situation the world's seen for human government. Uh, you know, outside of an absolute dictatorship and monarchy, which will happen when Jesus returns, which will be the best form of government because he's the only righteous king, right? So until then, this is the best. The next of the best thing we can come up with. All right, so, uh, and our founding fathers knew that when they built the system like they, they've got. <clears throat> so without getting too political, so Shane's like, hey, yeah, yeah, I get all of that wrapped up in, in one little ball. I would lay my life down for that. I've made an oath to do that, and he literally has taken an oath to do that, not not figuratively. And so is Bob, and so is there's probably several in this room, and definitely several in our church. You know, it's not just like I pledge allegiance to the flag, of the United States of America. I mean, these guys are like, hey, I will give my life to defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. Whoa, think about that. So the Constitution elevates itself, itself above. The executive branch, the judicial branch, and the and the uh, legislative branch, the three branches of government, because it is the law of the land, and it's amazingly simple. You know, um, okay. So how do you process that as a Christian? That's the question. All right. So um, you're like, I didn't come here to get a history lesson. Okay. So so. uh Here's what I'd tell you. Go to go to Matthew. I wasn't actually going to go here, but I wasn't even thinking of this. But this is probably where I need to go next. So Matthew chapter 6. We're going to I'm going to jump back. I'm going to go back for just a moment so we can set some priorities. And then I want to lay out pro- how we properly deal with powers that be, which is governmental systems. Um, so Matthew chapter 6 this is one of the first things God ever taught me, and it had nothing to do with the context of what we're talking about right now. And this applies to everybody. So if you're, if you're viewing in right now and you're in some other place in the world outside the United States, this applies to everybody. Because we're dealing with the Lord Jesus Christ here. We're not dealing with the United States government. Um, so Paul or Jesus here, um, without reading all of this, I l- I'd love to start in verse 24. Well, I'll, I'll just start in 24, and then I'm going to skip ahead. So in verse 24, Jesus is speaking and he sets this forth, which is really the essence of what Shane was asking a couple weeks ago. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. And here's the two masters that Jesus is talking about. You cannot serve God and mammon. All right, so what is mammon? Mammon. Yeah, worldly riches, right? So you can't serve God, like Paul says, the love of not having money, but the love of money is the root of all evil, right? And so it's, you can't serve God and you can't serve man. And he doesn't say anything about you can't serve Caesar. He says you can't. As a matter of fact, he said Jesus is the one who said, hey, Caesar needs some taxes. Pay Caesar what Caesar's, right? It, it, God's allowed it. God's allowed Caesar to judge Judea and and, and and Israel. He's the man in charge. I know you Jews don't like it, but you deserve it. And worse, you know. I've been here for thirty years and look at the way you're treating me, you know, and he didn't say that. But uh I mean you're you're true king's here and you're rejecting him. You're lucky it's only Caesar. I mean Jesus could have really let him have it, but instead he just says, Hey, render to Caesar what's Caesar's and render to God what's God's. Right? So you can't serve two masters, but Jesus himself says you can only serve one. So above your fidelity to the Constitution and your oath to the country, you have a higher, you even have a, high, once you got saved, which for you is about 20 years ago. So 20 years ago, you made a more important oath, and that's the God of, of heaven, and now that's, that's who you're riding with. It's not that you forsake your other one, but that's the, that's the primary thing. And that's going to override everything. And for all of us in this discussion, I'm glad I brought it to this point because that's ultimately the point you gotta you gotta start there or you can get so caught up in so many things that sounds so good and get so off track. That I mean you are storing up food and ammo and got a bunker, I mean and you're ready, you know, you got your tank that you your homemade tank outside and you're ready to go and it ain't gonna matter a hill of beans, uh, at the end of the day. You're not going you're gonna be so busy doing that you're not going to get anything accomplished for the kingdom of God. And so you've got to be balanced. And and if you do have your tank and your guns and your food supplies and all that, and if, then fine. But don't put that ahead of the kingdom of God. All right, so let's fast forward through this. Go back on your own. You can read this chapter. It's wonderful. And um, let's just pick it up in verse uh, 30. So that wherefore, if... Um, well, let's go Let's go back. Well, let's talk about God taking care of you. Um, uh, so I'm just going to skip past that. And he gets down to verse 31. And he says, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? Right? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth ye have need of all these things. But he says this in verse 33. And this is, even though this was written to Jews uh in an Old Testament context because Jesus hadn't gone to the cross we can apply it because of the context he says but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you take therefore no thought for tomorrow for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof so he's really just saying you got to trust me here disciples and uh you got to set the kingdom of God first and, and seek His righteousness, and all the other things will be added. Your safety and your security. So one of the things that's probably a consternation for many American people is that people will exchange their secure their uh, their liberty for security, and that's an indication of a lack of faith because they've left off trusting in the Lord Jesus. Well, as a Christian, what's the best way to remedy that? Hmm. Trust God, trust Jesus. What do you say, Jay? Right, get them to know Christ. I mean, you can join the moral majority. You can go get on whatever. And I'm not telling people not to be politically active. I'm just telling you that being politically active is not going to do the pro- not going to change that. People will continue to exchange liberty for security because they have no security in Jesus Christ, and they don't understand the kingdom of God. And so if you're a red-blooded American, love the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and all of those things, you're going to want to pull your hair out. Because since 9-11, all you have seen is exchanging liberty for security. And how far has that gotten you? Right? Of course. Because this is, this is the reason the Roman Empire is on all the men's minds, if you've been watching that, that thing, because it's like the same thing rerun. You know, people aren't stupid. So what's the answer? Well, the answer is Jesus. This is what you learn when you like when you're a little kid. What's the answer? Jesus? Jesus? Jesus is the answer. It's seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness and let, and trusting God for all the things, including liberty and security, because our only liberty is in Christ. And I'm not just saying that. Let me show you some things. I want to kind of – that kind of sets the foundation. And also, let me give you something that fights against that. And I'm not saying this like as a as – because a, I got a Ph.D. in – sociology i'm saying i i'm just like y'all i just know i know this stuff from right i grew up here i know the constitution i know this stuff because i grew up here and i'm also an american and i also love the constitution i also love the bill of rights i love whatever you know i'm all with you guys on all of that but the kingdom of god is first and the bible has a lot to say about y'all people like us that, that that have this fidelity to god and country and yet That tension between God's will and judgment on a country that has said, A, in God do we trust. And then for how many decades now? I mean, we got judged harshly, again, a little American history. When we say all men are created equal and they're endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, and we use that as our justification for founding a nation, well, what comes along in 100 years? Civil war. And those founding fathers, they knew it. They just didn't want to fight it the first decade, so they just kicked it down the. They just kicked that can down the road, and it was divisive. Why? Because it was sin. And there's people who love money, and people, and, and man, there were, and there were righteous people on both sides. You know, there were Christians on both sides of that discussion, and it wasn't all just about slavery, though it was about slavery. It was also about states' rights, because that was the justification, and it was about sovereignty and and federal federalism and versus de- democracy and so there's a, a lot going on in that and and by the way i by the way ben franklin or ben franklin uh who's the president abraham lincoln like i personally just i have went to his house in springfield i've studied ben or uh, uh, i don't even know his name abraham lincoln i mean if there wasn't a guy that god put in charge for such a time it was that guy and he got saved by the way in the white house i'm convinced of that He wasn't saved when he got in, but he was when he got killed. His second inaugural address lights out. I mean, he's preaching the word of God. I mean, unbelievable. I can't even believe a president preached like that. Okay. I wouldn't probably agree with his policies because, in my opinion, he took federalism way too – I mean, he he took government too far on the executive branch. But you know what? He didn't really have a choice at that time. So – I'm glad he was serving God or it would have been worse, right? And so it's hard to discern all of that stuff, right? Because you've got humans involved and it's all messy and it's yucky and there's sin. And it was an incredible judgment on our nation. The most souls ever, uh, ever, ever died in any war, even to this day, was the Civil War. And that was judgment for sin. Well, you fast forward the tape. The 20s was roaring. Lots of sin then. Then we get into wars. And you keep going forward. The next thing you know, free-loving in the 60s, and I've already preached that a few weeks ago, and it just keeps rolling along. And what was heterosexual perversion in the 70s and 80s now is homosexual perversion, now is even beyond that. Now we're going after the kiddos, and next thing you know, bestiality is right around the corner. And, uh, whatever blows, ever goes when the whistle blows, right? So, so we understand this, this process is like, it's not the first time this has happened in, in society. This, this, this is like replay the tape, replay the tape, replay the tape. What is the, what's the game changer? Well, it's always the same thing. It's Jesus. It's revival. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the power of His Word, right? And it's really Christians like being able to shake off all the, The drama that's going on around them, which is exceedingly hard, I will say right now, because you have a media system set up to keep you distracted. That is a unique caveat in history. So we do have a unique, you know, like the, the printing press just blew the information age open. And the first thing off the press was the Bible. And it changed the course of human history because people actually did understand what the Bible said. And it put everybody in their place. Even society started aligning itself to that which is the evidence of that is our society in some respects, as I just gave you a quick history lesson on. Well, you unravel all of that, and, and the, 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 denigra- the denigration of idolatry is on a, I mean, literally, like this phone, if I take the cover off, even though I would debate with you about if the apple was the fruit in the garden, that's, that's a whole other Bible study. Uh, <laughs> my phone, you know, on the back of this thing, you can't hardly see it. It's got an apple with a bite out of it. What's that all about? It's just mocking. It's mocking everything I believe. It says, Oh, here's the tree of knowledge. Take a bite. I mean Yeah. Huh? That's why you go Android. You're just a slave. <laughs> so whatever. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But you get the, you guys get the point. Daniel chapter twelve is true. Knowledge is going to increase, and men don't know what to do with it. And so, discerning all this, that's why we're having this discussion tonight at Bible study, and this is so important. So let's get into the Bible a little deeper. Okay. So we understand the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Let me run some references. Get your Bibles out, get it ready to go. We're gonna run some references, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna read them because I'm running out of time. Revelation chapter 3, you guys, most of you probably know this, but let's look at it through the lens of which we're talking about this particular subject of submission to authority. And then we'll go back to Romans chapter 12 and 1 Peter chapter 2 in just a moment. So Revelation chapter 3, we need to understand who we are. Our identity, uh, is that of as as Christians. So our, our priority is the kingdom of God. But Jesus says here, his admonition to the churches of this age, the Laodicean church age, he says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Excuse me, verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write these things, saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten I mean, I am spanking all my kiddos. As many as I love, I'm, I'm having to. I'm gonna. I have to keep taking them to the woodshed. Get the switch out. I'm rebuking and chastening. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am sat down in my Father, with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. So there's a dynamic shift from the Philadelphian church age to this church age, where the Philadelphian church age was about the word of God and these great doors that God was opening and no man could shut. Now we have to open the door, and we have to be intentional about supping with Jesus. Collectivism is the order of the day, but it's collectivism without Jesus. And so another word for that would be Marxism. So we're collecting under the under the banner of Marx, not under the banner of Jesus. Our assimilation and our and our unity is no longer open, great. Open doors and missionary movements. We're we're pooling our resources to reach the world with the gospel. No, no, we're, we've changed. We we're blind to all of that. The door shut. We're self-centered. We are rich and increased because we have need of nothing. And God says, No, you're missing everything. You're missing your fellowship with me. I'm the I'm the kingdom of God. I'm your righteousness. I am righteousness. That's his name. I mean, he is righteous. That's what uh, Paul teaches the the Jews in in the book of Hebrews or the book of Romans, right? Jesus, the righteousness of God. Go read it in Romans chapter 10, like the first four verses. Jesus, who is the righteousness of God. He is our righteousness. Colossians chapter 3, right? Set your affection on things above, not on the things of this earth. So, So that's the battle. And you're bombarded with other knowledge. I'm holding this up because this is the primary thing, like you see those memes of people just walking woo, right off the cliff, you know well there's a lot of i mean it's not even hidden, so there's agenda twenty thirty right well that what is that well, hey, you'll have nothing, and everybody will be happy with it you'll be you'll have all you need you'll be rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing uh not if you don't have Jesus in the gospel, you really will have nothing, okay, so just kinda. That's where we live. And so Laodicea, does anyone know what that means? Rights of the people. Getting to the Bill of, Bill of Rights. Rights. Be careful with your priorities. Am I for the Bill of Rights? Absolutely. Am I for the United Nations Bill of Rights? Not at all. Why, why wouldn't I be? Asked Jimmy Carter or the Pope or whoever. Well, why wouldn't I be? What's wrong if we can have United States Bill of Rights? Well, why wouldn't I want the United Nations Bill of Rights? What's that? Go ahead and say it loud so I can hear it and I'll repeat it. So, you, so you're, she says it takes away the, United, the rights of the citizens of the United States. And then, the, and then, ergo, the, the, the sovereignty of this United States. Oh, so world government is not a good thing? Okay. <laughs> so you guys are picking up what I'm... Right, right. So, so there's some parameters about nations, nation-states, ruling, because... And this gets down to the fundamental tenets of, of how you do govern. That's why local representation is always important. You don't want to get everything centralized. Because then you will no longer have representation, remember there was a there was a big when this nation was formed a big thing about taxation without representation. The king was too far away, central government was t- there, and they were here, and there was no representation and so we're going to go ahead and have our own rep- so if you are an American and you understand anything about your government, you understand the centralization of government, whether it's education uh, or all kinds of things is is ultimately not really. Um, other than the military the defense the common defense of the people really there's not a lot of reasons to do that and commerce which i mean i'm all for eisenhower had a great great idea with the interstate highway system so uh, interstate highway system which is also a defense mechanism and commerce i mean those things are pretty much it other than that you have a united states of america so government gets closer so you can find the people that you voted and you can also talk to them all right so those are political concepts that i don't need to tarry too long on but when you're talking to a group of people that live in laodicea rights of the people sound super awesome but the problem is people are depraved and unless they know jesus christ it's not going to go the right way no matter what form of government you have and as a matter of fact the united states is a prime example of that and so uh, governmental systems aren't what it, what we need we need jesus christ so now is the time to be careful not to let the devil draw you into something that he ought not because your first kingdom that you got to fight for is the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all the other things will be added to you. So let's look at First Peter, chapter two. Let's get a biblical mindset on submission because submitting is important for Christians. We submit to God, but what does that really look like? First Peter chapter one or First Peter chapter two, and let's just start uh, down in verse uh, thirteen. 1 Peter chapter two and verse thirteen. The Bible says. Um, in verse 11, dearly beloved, I'm going to start in verse 11, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. So while you sojourn here on this planet, you know what? You need to. Work. The first concern is the battle you have with your flesh. It's easy to go talk about this or that or some political problem and, and then just, if you're giving over the flesh, what difference does it make? Be holy as he is holy. Having your conversation, right, your lifestyle... Honest among the Gentiles. Well, Brian, you quit teaching and went to preaching right there. Yeah. And a Gentile, by the way, is anyone who's not a Jew. So what we should be doing is having an honest, godly lifestyle. I can't tell you how much that tempers everything. When you're at the ball game watching your kids play, you know, you're like... I. I feel this way, but I have to keep it cool because I'm representing Jesus first and foremost, right? So you just bite your tongue, right? It governs every your conversation, your lifestyle it has to be honest. But let's keep going here. And then he says what what Paul says. So this is Peter, again a guy who gets uh, who gets martyred. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to king as supreme. Or governors as unto them that are sent by him from, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. And I, I stopped short in Romans 13. I'm going to keep a finger there. If you go back to Romans uh, 13, after I, the passage where I stopped there, it, it goes on to say the same thing. I'll just be careful here. It says, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. Now, verse three of Romans and of Romans thirteen and verse thirteen and fourteen are, the, are in essence saying the same thing: be good, do good, do not fear. Right? Be good, do good, do not fear. Because God says rulers are not a terror to good works, and your first response is but, but. What about Hitler? What about Mussolini? What about Caesar? What about. We can go down. What do you mean rulers aren't a terror to good works? God says it. They're not a terror to good works. But what if, and they are a terror to good works? That's a good question. Well, you obey God, just like the examples you got in the New Testament. Uh, sirs, we must obey God rather than man. There were times, so this is a this is a steadfast rule that God is st- stating, and it 's repeated twice in the New Testament. This is an old Testament doctrine. this is New Testament doctrine. Rulers are not a terror to good works. Ergo, you are at liberty, Christian, to have a good conversation, a godly conversation, and do good works. yeah, but Brian, I got blood brothers in India maybe watching me right now. And when they tried to do good works, the people just stand back and let them get persecuted. And, and nobody defends them. You were correct. So who's going to judge that ruler? Bingo. God will judge that ruler. Because God's the one who set the rules for rulers. And that is what the Magna Carta in 1200 AD was all about. 1215, to be exact. Did anyone ever get Wycliffe's date? 1382? I sure thought it was 1,200. I was wrong. It happens. Uh, I, was, I was confusing that with William Wallace and Braveheart, I think. So anyway, uh, he was also a contemporary at that time, that era. But anyhow, so, and Robert the Bruce and all those fellas. Okay, so um, that's pretty clear. Okay, so do good or be good and do good. You really don't have any room to stand if you're going to act a fool. I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't get my rights. So now I'm going to go burn down your store. Is that Christian? No. Is that godly? No. That is not the way Christians behave. Period. It's just not the way we behave. There are mechanisms that we use to do things right. You can vote. You can petition politicians. You can do whatever you want that's legal as long as you've got a good conversation and it's legal yeah but brian that doesn't work anymore because this that and the other okay who's going to judge that god god will judge that but you doesn't give you the opportunity to do what you think is right in your own eyes right you got to do what the bible says and i know what you're thinking i'll i'll get there but anyway I, i want to lay out the bible first because the Bible is everything we need. Now you keep on going. Uh, he says in verse fourteen, "Are under governors as unto them that are sent." Uh, and back in, um, by the way, in First Peter chapter two, uh, and this is consistent with Romans chapter thirteen. For for so is the will of God. Verse fifteen, that with well doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, because without a doubt there is a lot of ignorant, foolish men. Now notice what he says in verse sixteen. As free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as servants of God. And so in verse 16, you know, uh, what he's talking about is semper fi. He's saying, if you're going to get in this battle, you have to be always faithful. Semper fidelis to the Lord. So your oath to God is first and foremost, you have no discharge from this war. You must maintain your integrity, period. If you don't, you've already lost before you started. You're done. Your goose is cooked Uh, because you you have nothing to stand on. He goes on to say, uh, and, and by the way, as free, you are free to serve the Lord even if they kill you. Right? Even if you're arrested. So you're always free to serve the Lord, no matter what, right? Remember Hanani, Mishael, Nazariah, or better known as Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego? So the, the, the power that be was King Nebuchadnezzar. He was the head of gold, and he builds a statue, and he says, when I blow the trumpet, you bow down. And they say, well, you know what? We don't even have to pray about that. We're not doing that, King, but we really love you. You're a great guy. And our lifestyle says up to this point, we have always been faithful to the crown. We have honored you. We've done everything you've asked except eat meat that the law won't allow and this and that. But other than that, we have supported the crown to this point. But now you're asking us to do something we can no longer do, and that is worship another god in idolatry. We cannot do that. So go ahead and kill us. It's at your discretion, king. It's in your hand to do that if you want to kill us, then so be it We'll just go ahead and jump on in the fire for you Because we would rather do that than disobey our god And of course, you know how that story ended But there's no guarantee when isis takes over your village And you're a christian and now the powers that be are extreme muslims and they Rape your wife and they kill your children in front of you and make you watch and then slit your throat while they crucify you on a cross there's no, there's no guarantee that it's going to be as smooth as it was for Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Nevertheless, our brothers and sisters that just, what, 18 months ago got chased down, hunted down like dogs, and killed in Afghanistan? And we don't even know the horrors of that cruel treatment? We can't even think about it, or we just got to put it out of our... Con- you know, that's not streaming on your social media. Nobody's streaming that into your consciousness. Now, that's just kind of like out of sight, out of mind. But it's happening. It's happened. Happened in Sudan. It happens all the time. Happening in India. What about those people? They're serving God. And God will judge. He will judge. William Tyndale. Open the king of England's eyes as he is being burned at the stake for translating the Bible into English. What was his great sin? Translating the Bible into the common vernacular so people could read it. That was his sin. What if there was a law passed that this was hate speech? Because there's too many he's, too many him's, and too many hers. Not enough they's and them's, Right? Too, too misogynistic or whatever. Well, there's a point where you have to say, well, by all means, you can make that law. And by all means, I am free to hold fast to the faithful word as I have been taught, even if it is illegal. And so there's some things that you just have to say, well, all right, if that's the law, I'll submit to it and to a point. But when you tell me this has to go, well, now you've gone a little bit far. So does that mean I am going to take up my M16 and come after you? Nope. I'll just bring this. It's worked so far. I'll hold fast with a faithful word. It's a sharp two-edged sword. It'll do the job. Because there's just some limits, right? Freedom to worship God is yours because you are born again. That's why you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You are free to be good. You are free to love God. You are free to love others. You're free to love your enemies. You're free to love those that hate you. Right? And so that doesn't mean you have to do what they tell you when it comes to disobeying God. That's when you say, well, I'm going to draw the line. That's really the standard. The Constitution at some point, you have to say, it could have already been gone with the Patriot Act. If you understand American government, so people are like they're wringing their hands. Or nobody was doing that in nine. You know, in in uh, September two thousand and two, a year later. No, I didn't see a lot of people standing up going, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! What, what happened to our the Bill of Rights?" No, we just traded in liberty for security. Nobody thought anything about it. I mean, a few of us, like I'm in my house, I'm like, "Whoa," you know. I'm telling Amy, this isn't good. But, you know, most people, if you said that out loud at the time, now you can say that stuff because it's, in retrospect, you know, 20-some years later, everybody looks back and goes, yeah, that wasn't very good. 21 years ago, it's all now in the past. But, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, if I wasn't going to go outside and say that because <laughs> people would have, this church would have stoned me. But I did think about it. But at the end of the day, does a country that, that kills babies uh, constantly and defend that position, would I expect anything less? Right? So you've got to put it in context. Do we deserve? What have we done with that freedom? You know. So you've got to put it in context. And where does judgment really begin? If I'm really upset about it, it begins right here. And I am not the pastor of every other church. I'm only the pastor of Heartland Baptist Fellowship. So I can't take responsibility for all the other churches I can't take responsibility for any church in living faith fellowship i i I can't take responsibility for new life uh, or shiloh the only church i'm responsible for is heartland baptist fellowship and so you know what Uh, because i'm the pastor here so that's the church i'm responsible for so uh, you know it's important that we we adhere to the word of god in all instances all right so I've got to keep moving here, so let's go back I'm in First Peter chapter two. Let me run some more references because we've got to get through all this. First Peter chapter two, and verse uh, verse 17, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king, servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle. we need to look at this, but also the froward. We have some froward leaders, uh, and I might add, Democrat and Republican. Uh, For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. So one of the things a good soldier for Jesus Christ has to be willing to do is mm, take it on the chin. Sometimes you just got to take it on the chin for Jesus. And that's hard to do. I I mean, many of you know, just civilly, locally, just a a couple years ago, I was so fired up. I made a video about some of the stuff right here in Harrisville because... We had to take it on the chin. So I just protested as far as I could protest within the bounds of the law. And I screamed out loud, and then I just let it go because that's all I can do. I mean, I could move, which is still on the table. But anyway, so, but, I mean, there's a point where what is my priority is really to preach the gospel. I mean, I can't let that kind of stuff, even though I think it's incredibly messed up, uh, I can't let that stuff distract me from the mission at hand. So um and so we got to apply these things in verses 18 and 19 because we are servants, we're servants of God. For what glory is it if if verse 20 when you be buffeted for your faults you take it patiently, but if when you do well and suffer for it you take it patiently, this is acceptable to God. So if you can take a spanking because you did wrong, well, yeah. You should take that spanking. But God says what's really good is when you take a spanking, you don't deserve. Because that's what Jesus did on the cross. So what does that mean? You are filling up, as Paul said it, the sufferings of Christ. So the good thing about seeing the Constitution erode around you and all of the things that we talked about, Shane, is you might have a great opportunity to feel like Jesus felt. (laughs) I mean, literally, you get to experience the sufferings of Christ. When you're the king of kings and the lord of lords and they treat you like Dirt Worse than a common criminal Did it change who he was not at all? He is the king of kings. He was the king of kings and he will always be the king of kings But when you're finding that your bill of rights has been completely ripped away and your liberties have been Ripped away and you're finding the point you're like, you know what? I'm willing to die I'd rather die than lose this book and the things, that, the promises therein. Then, okay, well then, they'll say, here you go, Doctor Kevorkian, We had him ready the whole time, pal. Here you go. You can go easy or you can go the hard way. You know. So, and by the way, I'm not talking about. I'm not advocating for assisted suicide. I'm just saying, um, if it ever got that way, then you know what? Well, that's that's what a lot of our brothers are dealing with. And sometimes it's the hard way. I watched a video a few years ago. Um, I can't remember. It was on this thing, this feed where you could get these videos. I don't, I don't even know if you can get it anymore. But it was, it's probably like a dark website type of thing. And it had a guy um, in, in 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 Islam somewhere, like North Africa. And all of those buddies, these were his friends. In all their nice-looking jumpsuits, like Libya or somewhere in North Africa, and this guy got saved, and they dug a grave for him, and and as, an, as a as a as a as a just a a stupid American Gentile, not a Christian, but my 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 Gentile American mindset, I watched this guy walk up, and you know I've seen too many movies in Hollywood. I I want the guy to start. I, you know, just start fighting off these guys, and you know someone needs to come and save this guy. He didn't do that, and I watched him, and uh, they literally lay him down and slit his neck like a lamb, and he bleeds out, and they toss him in the ground, and they and they and I'm it's horrifying. I mean, like I was, I was like, I just watched this. I can't get this out of my head, and uh, it was like a Saturday night too. I was preaching the next Sunday, and it was just like, but man, God used that video in my mind and heart. And he you know he. You know what the Holy Ghost told me? Every time I read through uh, Romans eight, we're like lambs led to the slaughter. I'm like that dude. You know what I? You know what he did? He loved his friends. In that context, there was no escape. He's in an Islamic state. All of his buddies are Muslims. He has made a profession for Christ. And I guarantee you, when someone in that condition makes a profession for Christ, they know before they make that profession that this is likely going to be the outcome. And he says, you know, and I don't know this. I presume this is what he was thinking. And this is my presumption. Well, I guess the best way to show that that I'm down with Jesus and to show that my God is strong is to just lay down my life for him. Because one thing those people will do is martyr themselves for their God. And so he lays his life down like a lamb led to the slaughter, so he opened not his mouth. He was just like his Lord. Who am I like? I'm, I'm, my Bible's some action movie. What, I'm thinking completely in the flesh. I'm like, take up the gun, beat those guys up, get them off of this. He's like, no, I'm going to take this. I, I, he's way better of a man than I was. But it was educational for me. You know why? Because everything in his world broke down and there's only one way to go and that's with Jesus. And so, uh, and so he put the kingdom of God first in his righteousness and everything else he left behind. And I bet when I get to heaven, I mean, I don't know. I can't remember his face, but I, I mean, Lord, remember this conversation. I, I want to see this fellow. I mean, he'll be way up at the front row. You know, I'll be back here saying, I talked about you. I remember, you, <laughs> you know, because that, that dude, baby Christian, probably. I doubt if he'd been saved very long, but he understood some things. I'm just saying. Are you guys? I think you're picking up what I'm laying down. You got to put the kingdom of God first in His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So, human government was established in Genesis nine five through six, and God made it very clear that the powers that be do reserve the right to execute. Ever since Genesis nine five through six, so the the, the death penalty. Uh, I'm not one of those Christians. that's like, oh, get rid of the death penalty. And actually, it, the Bible. The Bible, not me. The, that law was established before the law of Moses. The death penalty was established by God, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, Genesis chapter 9, 5 and 6, it was given to Noah. That's when human government was established. And so before that, you didn't see a death penalty in Genesis uh, uh, 1 through 6. I mean, look at Cain. He murdered his own brother. There was, no, there was no death penalty for Cain, right? That was not instituted until Genesis chapter 9, human government. By the man of blood, if you shed man's blood, by a man, your blood will be shed. And, then, and that was reinforced in the law of Moses in Exodus, and then it has gone forth ever since. And that is the law of the land. That's why even in our country today, when someone is going to have a stay of execution, who does it? The governor of that state is responsible. This governor of the state is responsible for executing justice and judgment. He's the chief law of the land. And so, so, um, so that's important that we comprehend that and understand that they do not, as it says in Romans 13, bear the sword in vain. So if you do something stupid and you want to go, uh, go assassinate someone in politics, you deserve to get the death penalty because that is the law of the land. So King George had every right to come after every one of the, the founding fathers, and every one of the founding fathers, they understood that and accepted that. And by the way, I'm not advocating that. And by the way, that's not what I'm advocating. I've got to be very careful what I'm saying there. I'm not advocating that at all because we have a system where you don't need to do that. And I'm, I'm advocating do good, be good, stay good, within the, and stay within the laws of the land. I'm making that abundantly clear in case anybody's watching out there. Right, so I'm not advocating um, that. And I'm also advocating for the, the right of the powers that be, good or bad, to have they, God has given them the right to execute justice and judgment to the point of the death penalty. And so, um, okay, so be careful uh, touching God's anointed. That's another thing. First Samuel 26, 9 through 11. I'm not going to turn there, but write that verse down. You can go back and see that, that David was, as, as bad as Saul was, David said, don't touch God's anointed. Was Saul a good guy? Type of the Antichrist. And David says, What if you don't honor Saul, why do I think you're going to honor me, pal? You just got you just got the death sentence. He executed people for disrespecting a guy that was out to kill him. Paul David himself, it was within his hand, and he could have felt justified to execute Saul, and God held his hand back. God did not I mean God was good to David a couple of times and holding his his wrath back because he would have been guilty of someone's blood that he then would have been in judgment for because he was not in the position of authority to execute judgment. Nabal and and uh, Saul, two examples. You don't have the right to take... Now, as American citizens, you do have some limited authority to take life, right? That's to defend your property and your life. Well, and I don't know if it's your property anymore, but you can defend your life, and then that's always subject. But obviously, defend your family, defend yourself, and... And that can be the death. Poor guy down here in Midtown got got uh, got mugged at a at a uh, at a bus stop. You know, poor guy got in a fight and ended up killing the guy, defending himself. And then, you know, of course, he had to go through the whole manslaughter charges. Da, da da da. But I do think he got off, which was good. So there's times, you know, where you do have to kill somebody, but it's not. But it should only be done under the context of the law, not outside the bounds of the law. Right. So Guido says, hey, I'll give you a thousand dollars to go take this guy. That's no, that's not within the bounds of the law. That's outside the law. You will deserve the death penalty. You need you need the death penalty for that. Uncle Sam says, Go ye therefore and kill all enemies. Well now you're under the confines of the law and war and, and uh go for but even under those standards, you're supposed to uh, operate supposed to operate under guidelines that are that are uh under the Geneva Convention or whatever. There's even rules for war is what I'm saying and, and rules of engagement. And so um, so judgment of nations is not uh, easy on the obedient either. And uh, another verse you can go back and look up, and I'm running out of time, so I'm just going to give you some references. Isaiah 31, 1 through 6, and Matthew 24:19 are a couple examples where obeying the Lord it's hard for the, the obedient people still have to deal with the, the, ju, the justice that God's bringing upon a society. Uh, examples, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Jeremiah was weeping for a reason. He was watching his country disintegrate. He was watching the, these stupid kings just sell them out and go to Syrian idolatry and all the things that they did until finally God's like, that's enough. They're going into captivity. The whole time, Jeremiah's like, oh, you guys are killing me. I mean, he knew what was coming, but there was nothing he could do. He suffered emotionally, physically. He suffered. Now God took care of Jeremiah, God will take care of you. But if judgments on a nation, judgments on a nation. Um and it and it's not fun for that nation and it's not fun for the people. So in Jeremiah or Matthew 24, Another example, as in verse 19, Jesus himself is prophesying about a time that it will come later after they're catching away of the church, the rapture of the church, a time of tribulation where uh, the Antichrist will come into the rule. Again, it's a, it's a wicked rule or the Antichrist. When he comes into rule, and he says, I'm God. He's like, oh, woe unto you if you have children. Because it's going to be hard for you to escape. It's going to be tough. He doesn't say I'm going to withhold all that that judgment and all that action. He doesn't say that. He's like, it's coming down, uh, it, it's coming down, it's going to come down hard, and woe unto you if you're if you're if you're a child at that time. Now, obviously, God will give people providence and, and grace and uh, as much as He always can, because He's that way for His people. But that doesn't mean if you're in front of that Mack truck, you won't get ran over. But if you're right with God, you're going to heaven. So hallelujah to you. This is a hard thing to, for Leotusians to like even get your head around. I mean, it's hard for me, and I'm I'm here. I'm your pastor, but. It is what the Bible teaches, and, and that's because we struggle with really being servants of Jesus Christ and good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Um, and so don't get entangled with the – oh, another thing that's super important. Let me get this in your Bible because i still got a couple of minutes. Romans chapter 12. I, I said I'd get this, and I do want, to, want you to see this with your eyeballs. Romans chapter 12. This is the thing you, you definitely, as you consider this topic um, – and, and seeking the kingdom of God first and how that governs all your other actions. Romans chapter 12 and verse 19. This is what Paul says. He says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather. I'll give you a second to get there. Here you're still wrestling around here. So uh, Romans twelve nineteen. 19. Uh, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head, which is a promise of pending judgment. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil of good. Now notice what it says in verse 18. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. So that is conditional in understanding that there are times when you just simply can't live peaceably with all men. You know. You come busting in my house in the middle of the night to harm me or my family. Well, the peace is over. I'm not, and I'm not saying that to I – mean, I mean, I'm very serious about that. that if, you're not coming to bring, if you're not coming peacefully into my home in the middle of the night, I'm not going to invite you in to hurt my family. So it's on. That's it. And so, okay, there are times. But he says, but and if, you know, it, in any situation possible, man, do everything you can to bring peace because we're peacemakers. As much as lieth in you. Obviously, you come home and see some grown man beating up on your kid in the driveway. Well, what do you do? You tackle him and take him out get him off your kid, you know, or do whatever you got to do. You know, choke him out and call the police on him or whatever. I mean, so there's God understands that we live in a wicked world. And so it's not saying be an emasculated male, by the way. It's being a, a strong male that has your faculties under control. And then when you bring the wrath, you're bringing it and you're bringing all of it. And there's no question why. Right. Because God has control of you. Um, and so so, you know, there's a balance there. But in general, uh, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. Let things go and let God judge it until you just absolutely cannot do it. You know, everybody considered him the coward of the county, but finally he wasn't <laughs> right. That guy, that's that's biblically how it needs to roll, you know. Let things go until you just absolutely can't, right? So again, I don't feel like a, a brother owns some store somewhere and you got people bashing in his windows and he thinks his wife's going to get, you know, assaulted or his kids are going to get hurt or someone's going to kill them. Well, if he shoots them, well, I'm like, take it to court. I'm all for the store owner, right? I mean, he's just defending his family and his property. And I, if if I'm voting, I'm voting for the store owner, Right. And so, you know, some of those things got to be litigated and all of that. So there's all these exceptions, but the rule is what the Bible lays out. Um, and so, um, so don't get entangled again in the world, Galatians 5.1 5. and 5.13, Galatians 4.23. I know those are talking about legalism and the law, but so, a lot, so is a lot of what will encumber you with these discussions of the Bill of Rights, the Constitution. Those are laws. You're free from that because you're a citizen of heaven. And as long as you obey the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what? You're going to be keeping most of the laws of the land or better because you got the perfect law of liberty. So it's possible you don't know all the laws, but if you obey the law of the Word of God, you're free. All you got to know is to love God and love people and do that to the best of your ability as the Bible teaches it. And you know what? Any, any country with any sense is going to want you as their model citizen. And then the ones without any sense, well, they'll persecute you. So... Let me end with this because I'm out of time, and I want to just give you quickly a couple things to consider. Uh, be ready for spiritual warfare ahead of all political and military warfare. That's what I'm saying. Don't even worry. You don't even have to worry about political and, and, and military warfare if you are not daily dealing with spiritual warfare. That's the law. That's what we're seeing. Right? Before you worry about all this other superfluous stuff, are you winning the war of the flesh? Right? Is your flesh in control of you? Are you a carnal Christian? You've lost. I I don't want to hear about right left, bill of rights, constitution. Doesn't matter. Be good, do good. That's the first command of the Christian soldier. Have on the whole armor of God. It's amazing. Like this, literally this week, I was thinking about this, and I'm and I'm driving down the road, listening to the Bible on my on my on my phone through my car stereo and as i get caught up in this thing i'm listening to it's just scripture and i'm just thinking about the scripture and it's amazing how god just decouples your heart from all the affairs of this earth the next thing you know you're just like yeah whatever taylor who travis who never heard of him. it's just gone it's gone because god has set our affections on things above so make sure you got the whole armor of god on uh, and by the way, and remember what time it is, right? This dispensationally is a time of iron and clay. Uh, there's some implications there. For those of you in HBI, we just talked about it last night, right? And so we know what time it is. Know what time it is on your dispensational chart. There's no sense in fighting a war you know you're not going to win. Fight the one that you are the victor of, and that's the war for souls. Um, and, and now's the time uh, to also remember that a lot of what is stirring people up emotionally. Is connected to this and or your, your television and all of this technology is driving our emotions. So decouple from the technology. Wash out your mind with the word of God. Set your affection on things above. That will take care of 90% of the consternation right there. Uh, it doesn't mean you won't get persecuted. Uh, and now is the time uh, to be um, uh, understanding that it is the latter days, right? And men will be lovers of themselves. It will be difficult, to be a christian but it's the best time to be a christian the darker it gets the brighter your light shines and so hallelujah to you so remember um not to be soon angry ephesians 4:26. remember what time it is remember who you are remember who you serve remember who you protect and the last thing is this if you get to that point where you're just like man brian i'm just telling you i, I couldn't live peaceably with all men well i just tell you this what jesus said in luke chapter 14 and verse 28 you better count the cost before you go to war, right? Yeah, you better count the cost because uh, that's a losing effort most of the time. Pick the right battles. Pick the right Lord, the right thing that you're serving. And again, I'm not telling anybody here to forget the Constitution or the Bill of Rights or, or the American history. I just, You guys, I love all of that, and I'm all down with it, but not ahead of the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be. So when those other things break down, you got something that will never break down, and it is Jesus Christ and his word. And you are a free citizen of heaven, even if you're in bondage. You're a free man. The Lord's slave, right, the servant is the Lord's free man, and the free man is the Lord's servant. So make sure you got your identity right. Does that make sense? All right, now does that spawn any other questions? perhaps. If it does, bring them next week, and uh, I will be back. Uh, someone asked a good question the week before last, in addition to Shane's, and I forgot what it was. So if, if you did ask the question, I said, that's a great question. Come back around and tell me what that question was again, because I have forgotten it. It'd be like, uh, I need to know the question uh, before I can answer it, because so, I forgot what it was. Somebody had a question about something in addition to Shane's. Shane, did that adequately address that? Yeah, you just can't go and Sorry, bro. Keep your M16 in your pocket. (laughs) Shane doesn't have an M16, just to be clear. Just to be clear, Shane doesn't have an M16. (laughs) What's that? A boating accident? We aren't talking about if you ever had one, brother. (laughs) a boating accident in Vietnam so okay so let's go ahead and uh, have a word of prayer and let's stand together you said a long time if you can stand if not you can remain seated but let's stand together and uh where's the mic at here let me let me have that real quick can... it is that's a bob can you close this out in a word of prayer heavenly father where you of.